Hello and welcome back to a strange day edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Um, the day started, Nate Duncan, by the way, is with me. The day started with uh, the surprising injury report uh, edition of Steph Curry, who came back for one game. In this. Not coronavirus. Not coronavirus. Um, it said illness. Out. And it was like, oh, that's interesting for multiple reasons. First of all, it's like, that is just popping the air out of the balloon of ABC, who was like... Not probably too pumped to get Sixers Warriors when Embiid and Simmons are are already out, but it was like apparently TNT had good ratings the other night when you know in Steph's return game, and I think it probably would have been pretty solid ratings tonight had Steph played. Um, and then obviously lingering over it all was the coronavirus aspect of just what's going on in the world, and like it's I understand why the Warriors had to do it, but it is just like it's crazy that they had to release a PR statement that was like our star point guard does not have coronavirus he just has the basic flu um it was kind of necessary to like you know ease any concerns but um it's just like it just created a strange vibe going into the night and you know and then the Warriors end up winning and what was a fun game but weird day yeah I thought uh, we can focus on the fun game part of it I got like this is this team is actually I mean what have they they're three won, and five of their, of their last uh three and two in their last five three and two in their last five yeah um Really, they played really well in Phoenix, beat the Suns. Then they, they like really blew out the Nuggets, like a healthy Nuggets team in the second half in Denver. Um, and then tonight, um, you know, the Sixers again didn't have Simmons around B, but Sixers were favored. Sixers had more talent on the floor. Um, but the Warriors played, they played hard, they played aggressive. To me, Eric Pascal is like really, uh, you know, kind of building some momentum late in the season. He looks, he's been a really good player since the All Star break. And I mean, Shooting sixty percent, four to five assists per game off the like. If they get this type of player next year, like that is a really nice piece. Yeah, and Kerr talked about that post game that he's the uh, he didn't say this is I would say this that the game is slowing down for him, but he is just doing better at not playing in a crowd, making the pass when he draws attention. My observation has been that he's just like literally playing slower. It's not just. You know, all right, I'm going to go a thousand miles an hour, drive left every time, and draw a charge on you know forty percent of my drives. Now he's just working in a position, trusting his strength, trusting that when the opening does break open, that he can explode and attack it. He's a wonderful finisher around the rim. I mean, no matter what the opposition, you just expect that it's going to go in for him around the rim at this point. And yeah, I mean, the passing has just been really good. I mean, that alley oop that he had to Chris out of that snug pick and roll was uh, just beautiful basketball. He's finding shooters as well. I mean, it's really been good. Cursing about the, also late in the game, the pump fake uh, draw free throws, which is, he called it a veteran move. I mean, yeah, he's just like, he surged onto the scene earlier in the season and had a games, I think 30 something points. And remember the game where they beat Portland at home. And that was maybe his like best, you know, signature game as a rookie, but he's a lot better player right now. Complete player. Oh, absolutely, and the three-point shot is more reliable now as well. I mean, it's you know I don't know what percentage that's going to continue to go in at, but enough that he's getting guarded out there. Teams aren't just leaving him open. Um, I also think it's not a coincidence to me that this run started with the ten-day signing of Michael Mulder. Did you know anything about Michael Mulder when they signed him? I mean, I first thing I did was oh he can shoot threes. Go to the G League page, you know. 
who's made the most threes in the G League this year? Michael Mulder, randomly. And then, you know, I talked to a few people within the Warriors, like, hey, tell me a bit more about this guy. They said, deceptively athletic, better defensively than you'd think for just, like, a sharpshooter. Um, and was developed in Miami's system, which I think was an important thing for them because Miami develops well. They have a stringent plan. Even their G League team kind of, like, is, it sticks to the same – uh, you know, principles, same uh, scheme. And, like, you could tell he came in tough, can shoot it, but also just, like, he's, he's a good, like, system, well-coached player, it seems like. Yeah, I was texting with with the scout. I'm like, hey, what, what was wrong with this guy? Why didn't he make it? And the scout was like, well, you know, he could always shoot it, but, you know, there's questions uh, that he might struggle athletically. But I, to me, you know, I think he looks better athletically than, you know, like a Troy Daniels or – uh, even like an Anthony Morrow, that type of just like pure shooting specialist. If he can sh- continue to shoot it as well as he has, I, I think that's huge. And what you said about Miami is, you know, the obvious comparison there would be Duncan Robinson, who was uh, on a two-way there, then signed with the Heat the last day of the season, was developed there and came in and all of a sudden was a really good shooter. Now, he's not going to become a Duncan Robinson level of shooter. He doesn't have that kind of size either, but I mean, this is really the first time this year, you know, you've talked about this so often, the three-point shooting differential with this team. And now, all of a sudden, they're actually getting some threes up with Lee, with Mulder. They, this is one of the, and I mean, frankly, also Draymond Green not playing. And a they, brief Steph Curry cameo there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they actually have, like, real NBA levels of shooting. And this is also now Chris is starting to understand how Kerr wants to play. Pasco is starting to understand how Kerr wants to play. Damian Lee always understood how Kerr wanted to play. Mulder, he's used to moving off the ball. So they have now the pieces that fit into what Kerr wants to do offensively much more. And it's actually it's been fun basketball to watch, amazingly enough. So kind of like the fake drama, I would say, around the team the last few days was like Damian Lee had, you know, he had that bad finish the other night, even though he had a 23-point game, he played pretty good. And obviously it was like considered a bigger game in the season of non-big games because Steph had returned. And, oh, you know, there was a disappointing aspect to the loss. But I thought it was weird that it became like a thing on social media, like Damian Lee's getting criticized. Like it was like game two and he like blew a huge game. But came back tonight was really good um and you could tell it like meant something to him that he like responded uh well to that the other night and you really like him as a player yeah i do you know uh, our uh, colleague mr strauss uh, was high in him last year and in retrospect he really should have been on that playoff roster i don't know if he turns that series against toronto but you know actually having someone who could make a shot that box in one doesn't look as good he would have made um, more sense than Urebko. Uh, even though Jurebko could yeah. shoot, but it was a stiffer, you know, not a wing, basically. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that, that was always the thought that Lee was just too slight. And perhaps uh, this is a Warriors team that going up against the Thunder, then you're they're going up against Kawhi Leonard and James Harden and LeBron James. And so there is probably perhaps a, an overemphasis based on those opponents on all right, this guy's got to get out. He's got to be able to guard James Harden one-on-one. He's got to be able to guard LeBron one-on-one. And so there was probably an overemphasis on that kind of stuff as opposed to, well, here are the things that he does do really well. You know, He plays hard all the time. He's constantly in motion. He can shoot the ball. He's, his floater game has been outstanding uh, recently. He's been making a lot with the left and then like really showing off the left to people after he's made yeah. it. He's got a little flair to his game. No, a- absolutely. I mean, he, he's – I mean – 
forgive the comparison, which he would probably hate, but he does have like a little bit of Steph Curry in his game. The way he moves, the like his feel for the game, just his the the, the kind of you know nice guy, but also has like that competitive streak. I mean, there are. It's not like a crazy comparison to say that just those small aspects that do evoke Curry to some degree. Yeah, he'd love that one. Um, <laughs> so. What else about this team? Bender tonight was like, I think, 404. He had a couple threes, but I think he was like minus 10. He's just stiff defensively. Do yeah. you think he's he's now on his second 10 day? Do you, the net, If they would have to sign him for the rest of the season to keep him around past his second 10 day, do you think they should? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think they kind of know what he is. He doesn't have a lot of upside to me just due to his lack of explosion. He's not quite that good of a shooter. Uh, to be like you know just a massive threat there like he does understand how to play I do think he's you know he can be in the right spots defensively but I think you just turn over that roster slot and see what else is I mean if you really wanted to I'm sure you could sign the guy again in the summer if if you wanted to and I, I think they should just continue to look at some other wing guys maybe if there's another athletic big that they want to take a look at um, you know, and if those guys don't work out, I mean, is he going to be, like, signed somewhere else for the rest of the season? Probably not. I mean, so get a look at someone else. I mean, maybe if you if he's the best of all the guys you cycle through on the last day of the season, you could sign him again if, if you really needed to. You could also let Chats and Randall go, you know, use that spot and, and keep yeah. Bender just because just of the stretch five capabilities. Even if you don't think he's going to make the team next year, it's helping. It's kind of helping now just as another shooter. I mean, you mentioned that – the injection of three-point life. Yet Mulder's more to that because he's quick trigger. You can play him 31 minutes like Kerr did tonight, and he's can guard. He's more versatile. But also just randomly throwing a big out there that's going to get him up is good too. Yeah, no, and there are times like in that Denver game they're getting some back cuts using his spacing. He is a solid passer. Um, so, I mean, it's not like I, – I don't think it's an easy decision to move on from him. I'm just not sure I see – the upside for him, I would agree. I would move on from Randall before him. So, I, I, mean, I guess that's probably enough roster slots to turn over. And they would, they do need another big just to actually play the games right now. People do pay for these games. It does matter. Like Draymond, Kevon Looney are out. You know, they don't. Well, Smiley want... Geach is not. You know, I mean, Draymond will be back at some point, but uh, will... Smiley Geach is is uh, not going to play for them right now. So, the guy I want to talk about is Looney. Um, yeah, concerning, isn't it? Very concerning. Yes, for sure. Uh, they're still kind of – look, they announced him out another three weeks. He'll be reevaluated. I guess the idea is to maybe trampoline him a bit into the summer if they can get him maybe like the last six games, get him 12, 15 minutes to kind of, you know, dust off some of the conditioning issues as he goes into like what will be a vital summer for the rest of his career. But at the same time, they've been saying this for months now. They've been trying to inch him back and play him into shape and – Every time, even when, you know, he, the last game he played was in Phoenix and they won and he was actually pretty good in the game. But it's like the body's just it's just not holding up. And, you know, maybe again, maybe an entire summer where you can really focus on will help. But at this point, I personally think it would probably be wisest to just completely shut him down uh, from any thought of like trying to work back for this season. Do some type of regimen that is completely focused on October 2020 because he needs to save his career then or. It's going to be two year, two more years and $10 million and nothing. Yeah, and you recall he was red flagged in the draft. He fell to number 30 for the Warriors because of those hip issues. He had to have the one surgery. Then he had to have it again later in his rookie year on both hips. And, I mean, you know, 
there's a fear now to have hip issues again and now ruled out for another three weeks and he's just it just seems like he's not moving right he's not you know just his body just isn't working and yeah I mean there's you know I I do think if he can play I, I disagree with you a little bit I think because the Warriors need to know what they have in him right to to whether there's any idea that you can count on him next year and if he can't even come back from this again I mean I think the other thing too is it's like maybe there's it's the type of thing where he tries to come back and he can't then another procedure might be involved as well so I, I mean but this latest setback to me it's like how do you count on him for next year now? And maybe even you end up trying to move him for next year with some kind of an, an incentive attached to him. He's selling really low. And and the yeah. truth is, you know, you say you want to see what they potentially have in him. And, like, I get that idea, but, you know, Kerr mentions it all the time. They know what they have in him if the body's right. I mean, he's proven what he is as an NBA player if his body is completely yeah. there. And to me, it's – they're not helping his body with these comebacks. They've tried the get ready, be patient. Okay, four weeks later, all right, we think we got your body where it needs to be. Um, come back, and then you know he plays okay. He played like I said, he played pretty good actually in his last game. But it's like tweak here, tweak there. I don't know. I put him on ice, but it's it's yeah. cool. regard either way, it's not good. No, I, I mean I, I definitely feel that perspective. I think there's some merit to it. It's just I think for them, it's like. Hey, you know, if you come back and you're cleared by our doctors and you try and play and now again, you I mean, I think they're just even if he could put together seven games in a row without getting hurt and looking okay, I mean, that would just give them something to go into next year with. But I mean, I think it's more they have a certain amount of salary that they can trade. I mean, they would trade him and yeah, you'd be selling low, but you could trade him, use his salary to bring back a player. You would attach the asset. The other team would be trading for the asset anyway. I mean, it's only five million either way. There's not that many bad contracts out there that you can kind of trade with an asset to get someone. So I, I don't think that you know they would they would want to do it to get someone who's actually good, who's already under contract, and that that would be the idea. And you know, if you're sending out an asset to get someone who's good, swallowing the other you know five million a year for the next two years isn't too bad for that team. But, no, it is a bummer, like, because he's, he's a good player. Went healthy. Where are you at on Draymond right now? He's oh. stepping into four years, $100 million next season. He has had an awful season. The three-point shot has obviously left him. But, again, his argument would be every time it has mattered the last few years, playoff time. Playoffs turn on, he turns on. We haven't seen him when his brain is had to be engaged. We haven't seen him struggle, so that's one side of the coin. The other is obviously he just turned thirty. He's having a horrendous season. Uh, when they're not winning, he's kind of thorny to deal with, uh, and he's kind of aging past what the modern NBA is a little bit offensively. Defensively, he's like perfect for the modern NBA. Yeah, I mean, what I was saying the other day when I was talking about him is. He's getting to the point now as an offensive player where he kind of Draymondizes the offense. Where on a normal NBA team, unless he's playing as the center, it's really hard to play him offensively because he doesn't shoot it. And because he doesn't get guarded, you either have to have these awesome shooters that he's screening for, or he's got to have the ball up top, you know, sort of dribbling around, waiting for guys to come open off of screens, making decisions, or pushing the ball up. And so, 
certainly this ecosystem that they had with all these shooters was perfect for him. I, I think as long as Stephen Clay come back, that he can continue to be competent in that role. It may become harder to play him with another traditional big man who doesn't shoot it. And he also then, it's harder to play him at center because he may not quite have it defensively to play that way. His body seems to be breaking down more and more as well. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. I mean, he's been one of the worst offensive players in the NBA this year when you look at his efficiency and then, you know, when he does shoot and then the fact that he's not getting guarded in all the possessions that he's not shooting. But I think, you know, he can find a way to be effective within this group. But then you look at the fit, too. Like, okay, can he and Pascal play together? Well, Pascal might be an important part for this Uh, team. We talk about Pascal's last six games, which is like at least 17 points, oftentimes over 20. Uh, and at least four or five assists. Well, that coincides with Draymond Green sitting. Um, I mean, the on-court, off-court numbers are what they are. This year, Pascal's way better when Draymond's not on the court. Um, but I've heard people within the organization talk about maybe Draymond as, playing more center, like becoming almost a five next season if you can get a stretch four. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, well, I think, I, I mean, I, I would have always thought that that's... Basically that becoming P.J. Tucker. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, his best position. And, you know, we'll see who else they have to enact that strategy if they are. I mean, you know, Wiggins, Pascal, Draymond, Steph, Clay. What do you think of that group? Eh. Um, can I ask you about a name? What do you think Serge Ibaka is going to get on the market this summer? Yeah, that would that would be an interesting one. I mean, he's not quite the, like conscienceless bomber from outside really you know where it's like okay we can't leave this guy but you put him um, on the wing and like he'll hit 35 percent of those three yeah. i think he would be out of their price range with the mini mid level they can't get him in a sign and trade because uh, they'll be over the hard cap so yeah i'm not sure if that would necessarily work i mean that's the type of name that they might be looking for but i think it's still yeah they're gonna have to make a lot of decisions of and I think how Draymond looks when he finally comes back with him, Pascal, and Steph all playing together, you can throw Wiggins out there, and, you know, Michael Mulder can be like a mini clay on Ooh, offense at least. Michael Mulder's on next year's roster? He's I still got to get his second 10-day, which he's going to get. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying just for the rest of the – for the rest of the – just as, like, he could be, you know, pretend to be clay offensively, and you can see how that group works together. Can that function at a really high level offensively? do some switching defensively. And if it does, then maybe you go in and say, all right, we'll just get some more wings. We'll get maybe so, someone at backup point guard. Clay will be back. If that doesn't work, then you might say, all right, you know, we need to spend some more resources on a center. Who are you going to trade for the trading center? So I do think this is this last few games, if Draymond can get back out there soon, hopefully. I think he will. I think he'll be back very soon. Yeah, so uh, in that case then you can use that to evaluate this whole group and see what you need because they have so many options. Uh, even with the draft pick, you could even potentially determine what they do with that. Tuesday, Clippers in town. Thursday, Nets in town. No Kevin Durant won't be here. No Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> um, decent homestand. Uh, maybe KD will come since Kenny won't be here now. Oh. All right. Um, I will talk to you Clippers Tuesday. Thank you, Nate.